I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. So this week on Mid-South Moments, we welcome our very special host, Ben Spindler, formerly of Wrestle Talk TV, and now at Post WWE Network. Ben, thank you very much, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. Oh, thanks very much. No, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you. So you are doing something very, very interesting at the moment um, related to the WWE Network. So why don't you uh, sort of say exactly what, what you're what you're currently embarking on? Well, the first thing to say is you're probably the first person to say it's very, very interesting because <laughs> uh, it really isn't that interesting. Um, but, I, you know, it's something I'm doing at the moment. So basically I am watching or trying to watch every single match on the WWE Network in chronological order. So from the first match, 1952, which is Luthez versus, um, God, Ray Gunkel at a two out of three falls match. Um, and I'm currently up to the end of 1982, um, watching alternating episodes of Mid-South World Class Championship Wrestling and Mid-Atlantic. So what gave you the idea to do this? Well, I, I'm really bad at being random. I, yeah. I, I think I've been I've been looking at kind of been learning a little bit about autism recently. And I there's a kind of spectrum of autism. And I think I've got a, a mild form of it in that I like to put things into lists. I like things to be organized. I like things to be uh, and I kind of like repeatable patterns of things. Yes. And so yeah. and so for me to just go, right, I'm going to watch, I don't know, an episode of world class championship wrestling from 1982 and then i'm going to watch no mercy 2004 and then i'm going to watch an episode of nitro from 1993 i just can't do it so i was like i was trying to find a way of really maximizing the value of the network if i'm honest and i haven't been into i i, I keep abreast of it but mod you know wrestling of today i don't watch an awful lot of so okay. i was trying to find something yeah. to watch and um and and so I started flirting with the idea of maybe watching right the way through from the beginning of Monday Night Raw. And then I thought, well, what if I add the pay? Which would I add the pay per views as well? Because it seems silly to not watch the pay per views. Would I then also watch Nitro when that began? Would I add SmackDown when that began? And so I was like, there's not really a good starting point. And so the most natural starting point seemed to be the earliest possible match on the network. So I just thought, sorry, I'll do that. And and that's what I've been doing since, really. So when did you start this? And have you got a timeline in, in your mind how long this whole thing's going to take? That's a good question. Um, to be honest, I do have periods where I just stop um, and go dark. So I have done that a couple of times. In fact, I didn't do anything from about mid-December through to sort of the end of January. Um, started up again in February. Um, I started the first I first started in uh, June 2017 um oh wow okay yeah it's so quite a long time two ago. and a half years or so already yeah 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 so three um, and a half years isn't it yeah uh my not quite terrible. it's about two, two and, and a half, half years, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and a bit i've got through about 1800 matches so wow. far um so it's quite a lot of matches but the, the big i tell you what the biggest impediment to me moving forward was about december 2017 the wwf the wwe sorry put on um onto the network about 200 episodes of WWF All-Star Wrestling from the yes. 70s. Yeah. And they are an absolute chore to sit through. They are just horrific. And I've watched them all. Um, <laughs> but I, it took me such a long time to get through them because they're just not fun. They're just not. They're so few and far between in terms of interesting stuff. So um, hopefully I'll be a bit more consistent now that I'm through all that. But um, I'm I'm certain there will be more breaks. And in terms of an end goal, I don't really have one. I no, don't believe for a second I will ever catch up with modern 
the modern timeline. Mm-hmm. Basically, because I mean, just giving you a flavor of the numbers of matches on the network. So in 19, I think in 1980, there is about a hundred or so, or so matches. Then from 1981, there's about 300. In 1982, there, I'm up to just about 800 matches um in just 1982 and i'm right at the end of 1982 now so it's exponentially increasing the number of matches at the moment Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. exactly and i just so you know there is no end goal it's just i we'll see how long i can keep going i think ultimately for me what i find really interesting is as a wrestling fan who got into wrestling sort of mid 90s 1994 was the first year i started watching wrestling okay yeah um what was what's interesting for me and, and i think actually most fans even people who've got into it in the late 80s and people who got it in, got into it during the 2000s is that the period prior to 1985 is so poorly understood um yes and people yeah, don't have fun. a great wealth of knowledge of that stuff they're not they don't really understand Bruno San Martino or the draw of San Martino they don't really get this territory system they kind of understand it but they don't really get it um and and the concept of a weekly show such as mid south was producing at the time which is not was never made to do anything but sell tickets for the house shows is another is a concept again i'm not sure is incredibly well understood so i just find it a fascinating era that is yeah i know i completely agree going back to that um the wwf all-star wrestling i watched a couple of those when they first came out that's the one where vince mcmahon basically admits at the start of every show that it's a work isn't it doesn't he say something like um, oh, I can't remember what it is. Uh, audience participation is encouraged for this wrestling exhibition or something. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. He tries to. I think he tries to. Um, it's kind of a kids don't try this at home slash this is entertainment message. He doesn't yeah. quite. You're right. He doesn't quite like give the game away. But there's a there's definitely a kind of hedging his bets kind of thing going on there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wondered if it was a commit, like a commission, because all that was, I think a lot of those shows were around Pennsylvania, weren't they? I wonder if it was a commission thing or something. They had to vaguely say that this was a, a wrestling, I think it was a wrestling exhibition, he, he, the word he uses, I think. Um, Very so I possibly. If it was something like that, so you didn't have to pay a commission or, or something like that. So are, are you, are you logging this stuff? Are you recording your journey in some way, um, for, for sort of future, release or is is it just a labor of love that you're just just going through it to get how far see how far you can get so i the only way i'm recording it is i'm also i should say a massive excel geek i i i don't know what it is but i absolutely love microsoft excel (laughs) i love a spreadsheet and actually it's interesting i listened to the shows the last two shows you've done and um you were speaking about variato's um big spreadsheet where he's got all the new japan matches yeah 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 that was one of the initial sort of start off points for me as I saw that and I thought, oh, I'd love to do that for the WWE Network. Mm. Um, so what I've got is a spreadsheet of all 1,823 matches or whatever it is I'm up to at the moment um, with all of those matches, what show they were on, who was involved and um, a rating against each one. Oh, that's great. That's really uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm trying to also keep a record of. So what I've done, I've, I've made it in such a way that allows it to count as I go how many matches each person's in and what their average rating is. That's so ridiculous. so the the idea is that basically I can keep pumping out some statistics. So I've done, for example, at the end of 1981, I did a top 10 wrestlers of the year by average rating. Um, oh, that's class. I'd love to see that. Is that available, on, is that available somewhere? Or is there it, are... Is it- 
there are tweets out there. I mean, there, I, I haven't saved them at all, but I've, mm. I, can, I can probably track them down. But I will do it as well at the end of 82. So, yeah. uh, as I said, I've got about 800 matches. The problem is, of course, is that none of the most important matches are ever <laughs> are ever on the network because you get the yes. weekly TV shows yeah. for like Mid-South and World Class and whatever, but they don't show all of the most important matches. It varies, actually, from company to company. World Class, for example, show a lot of their Star Wars matches on their weekly show. Uh, yeah. But Mid-South obviously don't, and um, nor do Mid-Atlantic. Um, luckily, there are some Madison Square Garden shows. So it's not really a, a very accurate, this is the best wrestler of the year, but at least it's just, you know, it's just my uh, just me having some fun, really. With the yeah, spread. I mean, i tell you what, it, what it is, it's best television wrestler of the year, which is not, you know, that's, that's a slightly different thing. But again, it, that's, that's still important. How have you rated it? Have you gone traditional tr- traditional five stars down, or have you done a different different system? No, I don't do five stars because the reason I don't is because the number of times I've seen three and a half, two and a half, whatever, I'm like, well, just make it out of 10. Just make yeah, it out of 10. Yeah. And then you can do, if it's two and a half, well, it's five. It's not like it's really not that hard. So I do it out <laughs> of 10 um, because I just don't, I just don't see the point in having a five star rating system. And I, to be honest, I'm, it's, I, I wouldn't, I try to keep it as consistent um, across everything, but I will accept that there's probably some things that, that make it a little bit inconsistent. So for example, um, the, the the production quality sometimes factors into the rating a little bit. Yes. Um, yeah. Especially if, because there are some standalone matches that are on the WWE network, like in their hidden gems section, for example. Um, and if they're really bad quality, like there are a couple of them, it's just a single camera from the side of the ring with no commentary. In fact, completely silent and the camera's jittery and is like only highlights. It's basically the, it, it looks like the WWF basically scraping the bottle of the barrel of what they've got in their library, mm-hmm. but just put it on there for posterity. So that kind of gets rated low, but just from a production standpoint, really. Um, and then also, I guess, there's an extent to which I lower my standards somewhat for some of this stuff because it, in any pre- performance art, in any sport, as time goes on with people becoming better athletes because they, they've got better sports science and they've got access to more things that enable them to be better athletes and, and refine their craft more, um, it isn't as good athletically, if you like, as uh, in, in the past. Um, yes yeah i think uh, it's got to be time and place a little bit as well isn't it really yeah 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 Yeah. exactly so like for example i gave bob Backlund versus greg valentine there's a match from i think it's like 1980 where they go a whole hour on the wwf network network. okay yeah Yeah, and it's well worth a watch and i've given it like an eight out of ten like which i guess a four star and it's not amazing all the way through but it is actually really good and i think if you sit down and you focus and you watch it like you know you say to yourself i'm actually going to watch this match they really tell a great wrestling story within that hour so i think it's i i recommend that to anyone there's another match i really do recommend bruno sammartino versus larry zabisco but not their famous cage match there's a madison square garden match that they have in may of the same year in the build-up to that uh, Shea Stadium uh, yeah, match. They do, did they do three and shay stadium was the last one or was it two, was it was it only two they do three the first three. one is on um championship wrestling um it's actually on tv and that is available um and that's excellent as well it's like a straight wrestling match um it because it's it's before they're in a feud and larry's trying to is just sort of saying i i 
I just want to prove myself against you. You know, it'd be great to have a, a match. And Bruno says to him, I'm not going to try and beat you, but I won't let you beat me, basically. Yeah, yeah. And as the match goes on, Bruno get Bruno just gets the better of him over and over again. Larry gets more and more more frustrated and eventually turns on Bruno San Martino and hits him with a chair. Yeah, I've seen that one actually. I think just after Bruno um, passed away, they put all, a lot of his stuff in. Uh, like those collections are actually really good for finding things. So it's like, yeah. I watched that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that that was a that's a that's a really good match. But then their 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 first I, th- I guess it's their first Madison Square Garden match or their first match on the loop. Um, Bruno Sammartino, Larry Zavisco, the heat is incredible for it. Mm. It's just off the page, incredible. And it's far better than the Shea Stadium match. It's not in a cage. It's just them in a ring. I think, I think in the end, Zavisco wins by DQ or something, but it's just. I was going to say, what's the, what's the, is that, is it DQ stoppage or something for that one, I presume, to, to, to get you to the next one? Yeah, I think so. I think basically San Martino just loses control, goes in like a rage DQ finish, basically. So he mm. he just gets so angry and then and then loses it, and and basically the referee has to end up disqu- uh, disqualifying him. But it's just the heat for it, and those matches that the first before I for all those All Star Wrestling shows came on, all I had watched were basically lots of Bruno San Martino matches, mm. uh, and it really it really fired my kind of imagination for. And my understanding of why Bruno San Martino was so beloved, it really kind of, I kind of got it by the end of it. Mm. Which, which is, which is, which is a, a, like a really good thing, isn't it? Because as you say, that, that pre, I mean, WF was really bad on history for a long, long time. And obviously he, he had a big falling out of the company. So he was kind of persona non grata for a long time. But, um, it is, it is, a, it is a massively important part of wrestling. I mean, you, you think now, if you were a fan in 1990, um, 10 years ago isn't that you know 10 years before that isn't that long ago and you think 10 years before now so what, what are we 2020 so 2010 was Cena Punk was on the way up um, that was just before The Rock kind of came back and got involved that's not that long ago but you think then it's just like well actually we're going to draw this line in the sand and, and everything be up before this day didn't, didn't doesn't really count kind of thing that's um, right yeah particularly with the Andre and Hogan stuff obviously on that Shea Stadium show and then just seven years later, they were they were had a whole new audience. But then they, the audience that was existing must have known that. I do find some of this stuff quite quite interesting. The way they would um, just flat out lie to people around um, things that they just made up that didn't happen, kind of thing. So, in, t- in terms of looking looking back on some of this stuff, what's what's some of your favourites or other TV TV shows, promotions, or etc. that you you've gone through so far? So, as I say, I mean, those two matches in particular I mentioned are, are probably my two favorite matches so far that I've seen on the network. Um, but in terms of a show, and I'm not saying this just because of the podcast that we're on right now, yeah. um, I would, I mean, I've been watching Mid-South, also, um, Mid-South World Class and Mid-Atlantic concurrently for the whole of 1982. So I've watched each of them probably about 50 times. And I think there's something about Mid-South that really appeals to me. I think it's just the speed and the fact that they d- they just don't let anything everything just moves along very very fast but there's yeah. this but they pepper everything with story um which is my favorite part so my favorite part of wrestling is not um necessarily athleticism it's not necessarily great um technical matches it's not necessarily um great promos even i just love stories and when i say stories i'm not talking about stories that happen in the ring um which i do love as well but what i really love are episodic storylines that go through over the course of weeks and build up to a to a big finish and yeah. then from that they move on this is why for me my favorite period in history 
is the the period from about early 2000 right till about september 2000 that's my favorite period of wrestling history um just because the story was so rich and so clever and impressive like you know when jericho's in sorry when triple h is in three different feuds at the same time and they managed to keep them kind of all independent of one another um and that's what mid-south does it kind of has this weekly build of different things going on and you you, you're you're quite intrigued to see what's going to happen next whereas and and in fairness and i I do feel this is quite important for me to say world class is just about to go supernova because the freebirds have have just turned up ah yes yeah yeah so i haven't seen it with the freebirds versus the von erics yet which i'm quite looking forward to as you might imagine but up until the point i am certainly mid-south for me is a better show than world class and mid-atlantic and wwf's all-star wrestling show so i think mid-south has definitely been a highlight um i just i just i think it's just the energy i think the energy and the 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 storyline ethic to it um really really appealed to me so when i when i was starting i, I really struggled around what what date to start at um and i didn't i thought well actually how long am i going to realistically be doing this for maybe maybe a year or 18 months because everything has a either from your own your own time amount of free time to do it or you just like you know you can't, you just can't do it anymore kind of thing so i really wanted to start just before wrestlemania but i'm very aware that i probably missed a couple of years of like really excellent stuff um was was bill watts still wrestling around and he retired in the episode you're the, the early episode you're watching or was he, was he still fairly active no, he he'd already retired, and he was he one retired, of the, yeah. he is one of the main people who do the commentary. Mm. Um, although they have a lot of they, it, when in sort of late eighty one, which is where the network starts with Mid South, um, they have quite a few rotating special guests. So I think um, Bob Roop is quite a regular commentator oh, yeah. alongside um, Boyd Pierce. Um, Jim Ross has made one or two appearances. Uh, it's like he's fresh out of university or something. And I, I, I don't know. It's strange. He hasn't appeared where I am now. He hasn't appeared for sort of 12, 15 weeks, but he did come and do a couple of spots. So it's almost like it was, I don't know. It's almost like he was a trying, trying out for it or whatever. Um, and I'm trying to think who else they had. I think they occasionally also had other just regular members of the roster. So I think Ted DiBiossi's probably done it once or twice and one or two other people as well. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how they use those the, those kind of in and out commentators because because fa- fast forward eighteen months or so or two years, Jim Ross is just starting to do a bit more commentary though they sometimes use him use him as a ring announcer. Yeah, um, I do I do really like Ross on commentary, but you do miss I think you miss Bill Watts. Did, how did you find Bill Watts's commentary when you first? Were you do you find it fairly easy to get used to him, or, or was it a bit of a challenge at the start with his style of sort of narration rather than commentary? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened obviously to what you were saying uh, a couple of weeks ago about this, and I totally agree. I think he's got a sort of manner about him which initially rubbed up the wrong way. I just, and, and don't get me wrong, he's not the most polished commentator in the world, but I agree totally. He is constantly on the little details and trying to add context to everything that's going on, whether it be a specific move that someone's used in a match or whether it be a storyline point that he wants to make clear so that it's perfectly understandable when somebody turns or somebody attacks or whatever it is that happens. So I'm I'm totally on board with what he said. I think he's a really, I I think he just brings something entirely different. And I'd find the the whole style of their commentary quite odd anyway, because you've got Boyd Pierce there, but he doesn't really do anything, especially during the matches. He just sort of says, now we're off to 
break with mid-south wrestling and then comes back from the break and he goes well now we've got these two people fighting bill and then bill just talks through the match yeah Boyd does almost not Boyd is, is kind of a front man but doesn't do any real commentary does he um, that's right I, I do really like Boyd but I, I must say on some of the weeks where Jim Ross you, you just, it's a bit night and day when Jim Ross is on but Jim Ross doesn't doesn't tend to be on too much of what it seems to be um Ross and Pierce quite a lot um, but I think that Ross is from other guests I've had on, I, I think Ross is going to appear a bit more going forward. Uh, but he's just got sort of classic Jim Ross in terms of what, what he's commentating on feels very, very important. I think that's always been the strength of his yeah. throughout his, um, throughout his career. So your entry point to wrestling was sort of 1994. So what, what got you what got you hooked um, on the sport in the first place? So about a year before that, I somebody brought, you know, on like the last day of term, you bring in toys everyone brings in toys one of the one of the kids brought in a bag load of wwf wrestling figures um and i was just fascinated by them i I, and to this day it made me realize i was thinking about the other day actually i was thinking it makes me realize now how we kind of take it for granted and see it as a pointless part of the sport probably in, in a lot of respects is that those figures that they still produce and all the merchandise they produce but those figures were actually the things that got thing that got me into it okay Um, yeah I was just really excited. Like I think he had like the Legion of Doom and the Undertaker and the Ultimate <laughs> Warrior and these kind of characters that were kind of like comic book characters. But I was never into comic books, so I don't really make that connection either. But they were just they were just amazing. And, and also being from Bristol, the the kids that had them had a quite a thick accent. And he used to say, um, "Here's Hulk Hogan and here's Hawk from the Legion of Doom." But when he said Hawk, because he was quite Bristolian, would kind of say Hulk, like okay. as though he was saying Hulk. <laughs> And so I thought, because they both had kind of similar hair on the figures, I thought they were the same person. I thought Hawk and Hulk Hogan were the same person when I first started watching wrestling. <laughs> um, obviously, that was very quickly put put right, but I just I just thought that was that's what it was. And then and then not long after that, um, I picked up a WWF magazine for the first time, and again just got absolutely hooked. Um, and um, it's funny, I'm. I had a bit of a an on on air kind of Barney with Vince Russo when I was on Wrestle Talk TV. Oh, great! Uh, right. And um, but the thing about it was is that I had had been speaking to him a lot during the the course of the day that we did the interview because we did a lot of different interviews about a lot, a lot of different things. And one of the things I said to him is that Vince Russo was basically the reason I got into wrestling because he edited that magazine at the time, and that magazine was kind of my way in. Mm. So so it. It, he, he you know that magazine and, and his kind of the way he presented wrestling i really liked just in the magazine um and so then i well, i think the first thing i watched or the first thing i can remember sitting down to watch was SummerSlam 94 i bought it on vhs um and i got home put it in the video video recorder and i watched it from start to finish which included the the countdown to SummerSlam, which you used to get on the vhs's mm. back then and it was just amazing i just i was just i was just enthralled from from beginning to end i just thought this is the this is like where has this been where has this been (laughs) um and yeah so and then from then on it's just been been one of those things it's just been a a constant it's just been a constant in my life so brett hart was a champion when you first started watching then so it was him him and i were in a cage at summer sun wasn't it so are you or were you a big Bret Hart fan then and, and sort of still remind Because whoever the first champion is does does tend to resonate with you for <laughs> a while thereafter. Yeah, it's interesting. I wasn't a big Bret fan, actually, oh, when I first no. got into it. No, it's crazy. <laughs> the weirdest thing is now I'd consider him one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. Hmm. But 
then I wasn't that big into him. I loved The Undertaker when I first got Did into you? it. Okay, so it was, it was Undertaker, Undertaker, wasn't it, in the final match? That's right. right. Yeah, and and it's terrible. Like, I've been back and watched it a number of times since, and it is absolutely awful. It's but, long as well, isn't it? How long is it? I think I watched it fairly recently. I don't is think it, the match is that long. It's maybe it 12, long? 12, 13 minutes at most, Uh-oh, I think. Okay. But the yeah, thing is, it is it is it is played out in in complete silence. And, and I've got a bit of confession actually. Like we were talking about commentary earlier on, and Vince McMahon being the commentator on um, All Star Wrestling. Um, I actually think Vince is a really good commentator, <laughs> and it <laughs> might come from the fact that when I first started watching, he was WWF's main commentator alongside Jerry the King Lawler. Um, and um, but I really like him, and especially back in the seventies and eighties, I think he's better than the other people around. That includes Bob Cordell, and that in- in- includes, um, you know, uh, obviously Boyd Pierce. It includes the guy uh, Bill Mercer from World Class Championship Wrestling. I just think he's better. He's more polished. He's more articulate. Um, he's more charismatic. I just think he is better. But um, I also, when you watch that Undertaker versus Undertaker match, he does an amazing job of covering for how bad the match is in the sense okay. that. He's he's saying things like, "Listen to this crowd. They they can't. They're they're stunned into silence. They can't believe what they're seeing." When I, See, I, that's great, isn't it? That's so good. I, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Vince when actually they're just bored, but he's just come. He's just come and said all these things, and you're like, "That's brilliant." How how well? And, and to be honest, when I was watching it for the first time, I bought it. I did. I completely yeah. bought it. I think, um, especially now, I, I, in fact, this is one of the questions we'll, we'll jump into just for the opportune time. Do, do you watch much now? Is there anything you're keep, keeping up to date with? Or is, is it just sort of podcasts and news editors, et cetera, and sort of being aware of things and checking stuff out when you hear that stuff's good? So I'll be honest with you. I'm not even that much into it. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think one of, the, one of the reasons I started what I'm doing, actually, with the network was that I had got to a point where I just, I was struggling to watch it. Um, and I, and I think the reason is more than anything that WWE in particular, because they've got so much television time, but also I think the same could be said for any wrestling promotion of the time. They have a great opportunity to make a really great episodic television show with where, and, and I think too often wrestling promoters these days go, well, it's only wrestling. We don't have to, don't have to take it too seriously. We can occasionally, we can very often, um, kind of be completely inconsistent with what we've said previously because it's only wrestling so it's okay you know what i mean and i just that really frustrated where even like i remember when after seth rollins had been injured for whatever it was nine months at some at some point maybe 2016 to 2017 and he came back to a SummerSlam as a baby face and i was like well he was a heel before he left like at least explain why now we're supposed to like him i, I just but it was almost just like, well, it's wrestling. He's been away for nine months, so we can just bring him back however we want. And I just don't agree. I think basically your, your on-screen um, world that you've created um, is, is, is sort of sacrosanct. If you, if you don't live up to what you've shown before, people are going to stop watching because they're like, well, why did I bother watching that thing nine months ago when I really hated this guy when you're going to bring him back and with no explanation, I've just got to really start yeah. liking him. Yeah, I, I really hate that. Stopped. Yeah, people have stopped watching it. And I agree. I, I, if you just said to me five or six years ago um, that actually you're, you're interested, you're, you're not going to. I, I, I had that day off on Monday after Stag doing as a WWE pay-per-view. I know it was, it was probably, in terms of star power, one of the, just because Vince, I think, has changed his mind about 15 times about what he's going to do at WrestleMania. 
Um, the, the star power of the show was really limited, but I didn't even watch a minute of it. I just, I just, I was, I had no interest. And, and this is someone I've, I've traveled to the States extensively to see predominantly WrestleMania and see a few shows that say, uh, connected to it. But I just don't, I don't care anymore. I think you, you get to a point where there's just too much television and it just isn't, it isn't pro wrestling anymore. And I think AEW's been a bit up and down, but most of AEW, especially the first six weeks or so, I just found myself watching it. It's like, this is just how pro wrestling should be when Raw was like an hour. I'll tell you what's another really good example, is, I'm, and I'm sure you've either seen them or you will have will seen them. The first five or six Nitros are like, you, you find yourself wanting to watch a pay-per-view match between two people you, you just couldn't imagine ever, ever watching just because they do such a good job with it. There's yeah. constant cliffhangers. And it's just WWE with all the, with all the, the promos and they don't, no one speaks like a human being. And, and, and going back to the Vince commentary, Vince McMahon's commentary, probably because he hadn't, didn't have Vince McMahon in his own ear screaming at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so much better than any of the guys. Like, like they had a segment on, I watched uh, quite a bit of Raw a couple of weeks ago, so had some, had some time. And there's a segment where Randy Orton attacked Edge's real life wife. Um, and it was all, it's all, um, in the storyline as well. And, and the commentators did this kind of like, um, they, they sort of showed the commentators with their back to the ring and they were trying to be solemn and stuff. And they were so bad. They couldn't even do that. And you think, <laughs> why are these guys, why are these guys employed? And then Byron Saxon did like a really over the top line. You just think this is awful. Like it's, mm. it's such a serious angle and they can't eat these guys have been in. I mean, they're not new either. I think, um, Todd, I can't remember. No, it's not Todd Bridge. I can't think of the, the, the main guy's name escaves me. But he's yeah, been around probably for yeah, probably around for ten years. And I just think, what? Like this guy's this guy. This is a bit of a joke. So at the moment, there's nothing, um, nothing that's sort of tickling your fancy or or sort of. Ma- what, what do you think would it, it would take to get you back involved, sort of full time watching a particular promotion? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know at this point. I mean, this the other mitigating circumstances that when I worked for Wrestle Talk TV, I was full time watching mm-hmm. wrestling. Like I, I was full time talking and watching and thinking about wrestling, um, writing stuff for the show, being on the show, being on my podcast, be, doing all kinds of things. I felt compelled to watch Raw every single week and SmackDown yeah. every single week and Impact every single week at that time when it was still relatively important. Um, and as a consequence, I did just get to a point where I'm sick of this. Like I don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah, burn out. Yeah. Um, and, but I think the other thing is that you're, you're right. Everything you said is absolutely right. But the other thing that really bothers me about wrestling is that I did try, cause obviously rules just moved to BT sport and I've never had sky sports. So when they moved over to BT sports, I was like, Oh great. I can, I could watch it now. Um, and, um, I watched one episode and I think it started off with Ray Mysterio against somebody. Can't remember who it was. Um, and the match lasted for like 15 minutes and it wasn't that good. It wasn't that important. There was no real storyline coming off it. And I was like, I don't really want to watch like seven or eight 15 minute television no. matches in, in, a, in one evening. I think that's just too much. Like it's different if it's the end of a feud and you've got seven, eight matches on a pay-per-view that you're really excited about. But I, I don't want to watch that many 15 minute matches on Raw every single week. I want Raw to be bang in they come storyline promo out you know let's see what's going on in the back oh here comes so so and so another match break you know just i want to basically what mid-south is i want to see the pace high because that's how you get into the stories and the plots and to me i just yeah it's just it's too slow it's probably in fairness to wwe they've got so good at presenting raw that it's boring like when raw was really good they were still wrestling with what Raw was. They 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 kind of were changing it each week. They were coming up with new ways of presenting the show. They were coming up with new ways of um, 
doing things and 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 as a consequence i had this feel of being quite off the cuff but now they're so good at it that they can't they just they can't get out of it it's it's too well polished it doesn't make yeah. it never seems like very spontaneous spontaneous they've, they've, they've sort of pigeonholed it. and i agree about those matches and i think actually as well they, those guys uh, you know they're not going all out like you know wrestlemania main event this is this what i want this to be the best match of my life but they're all they're all trying to put solid you know three and a half star matches in and i mm. think it's killing the killing them there's been a lot of interest in WWE over the last few years because Every single week, they're expected to pull out 15, 20 minute, whether it be tag, a lot of singles matches. Um, I think Asino, in, in it's one of his last big runs when he was doing the US title stuff. I mean, crikey, he was having 15 minute near classics pretty much every week on, on a 39 or 40 year old body when he was when he was already a bit broken down. It's like, well, that that can't have helped him. Yeah, he's, he's never really quite been the same since since then in, in ring. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. And I thought about this probably too much than I should have done. But I, I just don't <laughs> think you can. I'm not sure what what you can do with a three hour wrestling show because you. I don't know whether you do a lot of feature pieces and you do it like almost like a. You could do like a ten minutes of like a documentary on someone match and like a little bit of the same sort of thing. But I don't think the. I can't see how you at three hours you can ever grow that audience. And even if you had Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, um, on the <laughs> say you had Hulk Hogan, The Rock, and Steve Austin all in their prime on a three hour roar, <laughs> could you make that work? I'm not sure you could. Cause they'd burn them out so quickly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Three hours. Well. Yeah, three hours is too long. And I and I think you know there was what there was that one week where it was just I think it was just before or just after WrestleMania, one of the WrestleManias. Or it might have been the day after Royal Rumble one one year where Raw was snowed out. They couldn't have the show. Yes, Royal uh, Rumble. Uh, I can't remember which year it was. Fifteen, uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, they had like Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins do sort of sit down interviews on it, and it was excellent. It was yeah, a great was show. Amazing. And I thought, yeah. you know what? They should do this. They should just have they, what Raw should be is a couple of two or three people in a studio talking earnestly and 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 seriously about what's going on and then they go right now we're going to go down to ring uh uh michael cole and i don't know whoever else is with him you know are on commentary and they've got the first match tonight and then they'll have a match and then they'll come back to the guys in the studio and then as you say they'll do some kind of package they'll have a sit-down interview they'll have this that and the other just make it less based in the arena because yeah i agree i just I think it's too to much you, you no. can do that on a Sunday night and, pu- and put it all together on a Monday um, and put those segments into it. And, and, and I think you could do the same with SmackDown on a, on a Thursday to Friday. And then the, the end, you get a couple of hours wrestling in the arena to keep the crowds hot. They, they piece it all together afterwards. I, I, I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I don't think they'll do it, though. Um, but no. I do think when WWE has to renew these TV deals and whatever it is, four years' time, um, four or five years' time, I do think there's going to be a challenge for them because I think the TV landscape will have changed a lot with cord cutting etc i know they're all right for money now i mean some of their short-term decision making with their with their champions they keep going they keep rolling the dice with brock lesnar bill goldberg i mean crikey that's just <laughs> insane that he's 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 a world champion in in 2020 but um yeah i, I think um the AEW have got it about right the only problem i think they've got is they haven't got enough pay-per-views i think that their their post pay-per-view lull is not not ideal like I, tr- I tried to watch the show today for their last one and it's just it's just a bit dull, really. So I, I do, I do see where you're. How about New Japan? Have you, do you, have you caught much Japanese stuff? Was that not really your sort of cup of tea? 
So about, again, about 2015, 2016, I did watch quite a bit of it. Um, I really got into it, actually. I thought it was great. Um, but again, I think, I, I think just, and how do I, how do I articulate this? It is going back to what you were saying about the, 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 um, the wear and tear on the wrestlers. Um, and I think the reason there's such wear and tear is not just because the matches are long, but because, as you say, they're really trying to pull out all the stops. They're trying to do everything they can to, to impress and to wow the crowds, but they're doing, they're having to do it because they have no stories to work with. The characters they have got aren't that impressive because they're being written by one guy who, who doesn't have a, an individual voice for each one of them. And so those characters are not compelling enough. The stories they're involved in, you can't really invest yourselves in. And so the only way to get the crowd excited for things is to do, you know, quite dangerous moves and, and, and on a regular basis and high impact moves. And New Japan, I think that what I saw was the beginnings of that same thing. Like there was some quite, good long longer term stories but in the main everyone was doing a lot of high impact high kind of danger spots and matches that the headbutts in particular at the time were becoming quite a big deal zoning in what happened to shibata in the end um and i just thought i want i want something that would which means that you can sit in front of a match for 10 minutes which isn't very good isn't very technically very impressive but you care because you care about who wins and who loses. And I just think that's the basic concept of wrestling that we seem to have forgotten. It's about caring about who wins or loses. And the way, the only way to care is to actually be invested in the character and the journey they're on. And going back to Mid-South, that's what they do well. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I, I think with, with the New Japan stuff, um, they are on a bit of a, a bit of a slippery slope. Some some of their top stars are are breaking down now. I, I still think their their longer term booking is about is about as good as it gets. But I'd also yeah. think stuff like Will Ospreay, so I, I I wonder about him because he he's you can't wait to pull the trigger on someone like him for three or four years because I don't know what you're gonna get in three or four years time. Um, and the his booking this past year um was a was a bit odd because he was sort of king of the juniors and they put him in the heavyweights and you think well actually this guy should be going up now but he didn't win very much and then he just had this big moment in um in York Hall winning the British Championship but then everything sort of with everything going on coronavirus etc everything's cancelled so I mean it's 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 interesting on that cause this is quite timely and actually by the time this is out we might even have decisions perhaps we'll perhaps we'll be too late for it but but wrestlemania i mean i'm i'm sitting here presuming this is not going to go ahead did you have any thoughts on what what they're going to do or what or what would you do in the circumstances i think they might just have to accept this one's not happening i I don't really see what else they can do i mean it's it's the same for everything at the moment you know they're they're talking about um obviously serie a in the italian football league is has stopped um or been suspended for a month like that's presuming that in a month's time um is safe to then unsuspend it. If it, if they don't, then that season's done. You, you're not going to finish that season of, yeah. of professional football, which I was trying to explain this to my wife the other day. And she was a bit like, well, well, big deal. The football's not happening. And I was like, yeah, but the last time football stopped would have been the second world war. That's how big this is. This is massive. Yeah, it's not, like, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's really, really massive. I'm not like, I'm, and I get that there's more, much more important things, but it's an indication of how widespread and quite, major this actually has gotten and so i yeah i just can't see a show that's about well it's going to be in a month's time it's going to have what 60 70 000 people as they usually have um 
Yeah, I, I can't see it going ahead at all. And I, uh, what do you do? You can't really come back in a month and have it WrestleMania in May. I, I, maybe you That's can. That's the thing I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if they if they run it later in the year, just just to have a um, WrestleMania 36 during this during this year. But it's a real tough. I think for everyone, um, it's just got to a point where it's so serious that some of these things are a bit, um, just a bit, you know, a bit of material. But it'd be it'd be interesting to see how how it all rolls out and final question before we get on to the um the mid-south episode this week what was your first ever wrestling live event so the first ever call oh god how do i i can't even remember um it wasn't quick i didn't go to a wrestling event for a long time uh so i've been to a couple of wrestlemanias um i've been to a fair few not fair few a a, a sort of half a dozen or so uh british wrestling shows I've been to a couple of house shows, Raw, SmackDown, things like that. Uh, I think it must have been probably, that's probably it was probably SmackDown house show <laughs> in like 2004 or something, five, okay, maybe, yeah. maybe a bit later. I, I just, I don't know why it just never, it was never that big a deal for me to go and do it. Um, and I think the problem is, is also from about 98, I got quite smart to the business. And at that point, you then start to go, well, really, what I want to do is go watch WrestleMania. I don't want to go see them just to yeah, go see them because it doesn't matter yeah. to me anymore. Yeah, I'm I now about big events. So I so, you know, as I said, I've been to I went to WrestleMania 25 and 26. Um, oh, great. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, I was at 25, not 26. What was 20? Oh, 26 was uh, Arizona, wasn't it? Phoenix. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they had the Sean and Sean's last match or what yes. was supposed to be the last match. Yeah. Did you go to um, Raw the night after that one? No, I didn't. So I went to Raw the first, the previous year I went to the Raw after when Batista returned. And yes. believe me, I have never been more excited in my life to see Batista. Because <laughs> um, that wasn't a great Raw, was it, that one? I seem, I seem to recall. And not, not all that much was, happened until he came out. No, it was okay. But the, you got to remember, this wasn't really, this wasn't an era where there was a lot of stuff on Raw that, that back then. Like it. Yeah. There was a few years in a row where it wasn't a major happening. It only really became a major happening a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, but um, but the yeah, but so uh, we didn't go to that one, which was a shame because actually that was a far better one. I had sort of Sean's sort of goodbye speech and everything. But um, uh, yeah, um, so I went to those two. But I, I yeah, I don't. I haven't really been to that many shows. I mean, I could probably name. If I really sat down and wrote them out and thought about it, I've probably been to like fifteen shows in in total. Like I've really not been to a lot of shows. What's your What's your all time favorite match you've seen live? If you can If you can uh, think off the top of your head, in, in the flesh, it's got yeah. To, in the flesh, yeah, it's got to be Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels yeah, twenty five. I mean, I think you know, I, some people will probably say it's overrated, and because you know, but for me at that time in that crowd, I yeah. <laughs> I, there's not, never been anything like it in terms of wrestling. N- never. There have been a couple of times uh, football matches where I've I've perhaps gone higher in terms of how yeah, it's like. I know you mean. Yeah. But but never never for wrestling. Um. But yeah. The, the Michaels kick out of the first Tombstone, um, <laughs> was a bit of an out of body experience. I would say it was it was just insane because you just thought is you know I think wrestling's always at its best when it makes you believe and I think for long for a, lot, a number of years those those Undertaker WrestleMania matches were, were always about is there a moment where you like the punk one the moment was he hits him in the head with the urn uh, you think is is this going to be it is this going to be it um, yeah. and that and that was it when Michael's kicked out he's kicked out the tombstone is he going to win this obviously he did but 
yeah, that was um, that was quite that was a, you know what that was a bloody good WrestleMania until the main event. I, I remember looking back on that and thinking that that and the actual the triple threat that was after that wasn't bad at all. And then all of a sudden you got Randy Orton and Triple H thinking out. Um, what was it? The Rollin? Uh, no, what was the arena? I can't remember what the arena it was. was. It, it was it was the Astro. Uh, it was the um, it wasn't the Astro. You're right. It was the yeah. I'm it was the American Football Stadium. Yeah, I can't think of what it's, what it's called now. But the Houston Astros played there, didn't they? But I can't remember. It. Reliance so, no, Stadium? Reliance yeah, Stadium? So, yeah, so is the, the Astros played our baseball team and they played in the stadium which is next to the football stadium that yes. WrestleMania 17 took place at. Yeah. So when you yeah. what I what I hadn't considered before is that America's such a big place in comparison to, to Britain that they don't need to knock down the old stadium to just <laughs> build a brand new stadium next door to it. Um and the Astrodome was the baseball stadium. This was the football stadium. The yeah. baseball team moved back into the central center of Houston. So um, Minute Maid Park or something. Like that's that. right. That's where Royal Rumble was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, I, I guess I don't even know what the American football team is. I'm quite into baseball, but I, I don't know much about American football. So uh, Houston Texans, they were. No. I didn't. Ex- I didn't. It, I went to WrestleMania 17 actually at the Astrodome, and I didn't. And the Houston Texans didn't even exist then. I remember seeing a Houston Texans t-shirt in a shop and they, I don't think their debut season was until maybe 2002 or three. Right. So just to go show, show how bloody old I am basically going back <laughs> as far as then. Um, so we're going to now look uh, at the March 17th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, uh, which is episode 236 on YouTube. So this is a bit of a skip forward uh, for you for a couple of years, isn't it? In terms of, it sort is. of time frame. Yeah. Um, so Boy Pierce opens the show. Um, he's wearing a disappointing purple suit. So were, were his suits a theme back in the, the earlier eighties episodes of this? They definitely were. They definitely were. Yeah, he he's got all kind of lime green things and orange watsits and goodness knows what else. Like he's he is all over the place. Um, yeah, he really I, is. I, there's a the, interestingly one thing I didn't mention. There is an episode of Tri-State Wrestling from about 1977 or something on the network, which is the precursor to Mid-South. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. And Boyd Pierce is on that, but he's not a commentator. He's the ring announcer. Ah, interesting. He does so a little bit of ring announcing here, but not too much, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that was kind of what he did before Bill Watts took over, and then Bill Watts was like, well, the, the people know you, um, so I'm going to put you as the host of the show, You'll just introduce us, and then I'll I'll do the commentary or, or or what I don't know, but but yeah, but but yes, he he absolutely did. He was always he's always got those very fetching outfits. Yeah, an incredible fashion sense. So he runs down what we have this week. So Magnum T.A. versus Nature Boy, Buddy Landell, Terry Taylor versus Nikolai Volkov, and in TV title action, um, JYD versus Crush Khrushchev. And um, though this match ends up not happening, um, Boyd also says that we have a new Mid South. Uh, North American champion and new Mid-South tag team champions and the hacksaw Jim Duggan is back in town. Um, so he throws a cowboy Bill Watts at ringside with classic brackets and he announces that JYD is forfeited his match with Kru- Crusher Khrushchev, is it me say, and that Mr. <laughs> Wrestling 2 is responsible for why JYD is not there. So what did you think of these brackets? Did they use these cardboard brackets previously <laughs> in the stuff that you've seen? Because no, it's been all over, the, all over Twitter, this one, and there's another one floating around as well. No, I've not seen the uh, the brackets before. I was I when I listened to the podcast that you guys did last week, I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. I, I what I was expecting, I've got to be honest, is them to have it on kind of like a wall and <laughs> to be written out quite well, but still be quite amateurish. I was not expecting it to be this bad. I, I yeah. really was surprised by how bad it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I, God, I, it doesn't feel like a Bill Watts thing either. Like it feels like he would do his best to, he would do something better than this. I feel it's almost like he had a day off. And then when, when he came back in and they're like, well, let me show me this bracket. How, you know, it must be amazing. And then they gave him this piece of car. I was like, well, bloody hell. Like what am I supposed <laughs> to do with that? What have you, what have you done here? Absolutely, absolutely rubbish. Um, so what it says that Mr. Wrestling 2 is a new North American champion as he walks out to large booze in the crowd. Um, what says that on March 12th in downtown New Orleans, um, Mr. Wrestling 2 fought JYD and he lulled him in a full set of security because he went with, went with scientific moves and made JYD think it was going to be a scientific bout. And ultimately, Mr. Wrestling 2 got something out of his tights and strapped it onto his knee and won with a foreign object aided knee lift. And as such, JYD has now had to leave Mid-South in 90 days. Um, presumably, this was to do a few months of another promotion, uh, which tends to be a, a theme here. Um, interestingly, you probably heard this. Um, so Hacksaw Jim Duggan's come back. But people in the Mid-South area were able to see Hacksaw Jim Duggan on cable TV in Florida playing a heel at this time. Yeah. So, I wa- so I wonder if the same same thing ultimately happened with JYD. I guess JYD's probably not hugely long for this promotion in 84. Um but he um, he presumably will be back. Um, so they cut to a short clip of this, Mr. Wrestling 2, show, uh, showing him pulling something out of the tires and adjusting his knee pad. Um, and then the next night in Lafayette, Louisiana, there's a no-DQ match for the tag titles between Mr. Wrestling 2, uh, Magnum Tian, and Midnight Express. Um, and he, did you spot the ring here? It didn't have a, a ring apron? It did. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. Oh, no, yeah, it looked real, like real amateur hours. Bizarre, really. Um but here, though, though they said this was a uh, no DQ match, they actually did a ref distraction spot, which allowed a tennis racket <laughs> shot for e- from Eaton. I didn't really get that um, for the win. So uh, after Mr. Wrestling 2 had left and walked out of Magnum TA, so that, that ends their partnership. Um, so basically, at the end here, um, what speculates that the tennis racket was loaded, um, and then both the Midnight Express uh, whip magnum ta with a belt which is a stipulation for the loser here and watts runs down to con out on commentary um until terry taylor comes out and offers to take five lashes from the express i thought this was pretty stupid from taylor here to take this i mean talk about sticking <laughs> your nose in business that you, you know you don't want to take five lashes do you no i i i i, I, I quite like it, i'll be honest i quite like the fact that they tried to present him as being heroic yeah. um and he was like oh look my mate is gonna have to take 10 here I'll take five of them for him. Even if he had come out and said, look, I'll take a couple. And then someone <laughs> else had walked out and gone, yeah, I'll take a couple as well. And then someone else would come out and say, yeah, I'll take the other one. Like between them, they'd have helped him get through. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, I, I, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, it does seem a bit, it's a bit strange. And, oh, no, it's good, good from a heroic babyface point of view. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, like, I'm not sure you'd actually do that in reality. No. Um, it's interesting. What goes on and on about Cornette here, um, almost, I thought almost the point of distraction. Um, and ends by saying that he, uh, he tips his hat for Terry Taylor, basically. Um, so Mr. Wrestling 2 says, they're back at, back at ringside, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Bill Watts, and he says he couldn't coach Magnum anymore. He had such a big head, and he refused to take a whipping from anyone again. Um, Watts says, look at all these people that backed him for years, and he's now lost them. And 2 says he hasn't lost anything. He lets out a sinister, evil laugh and then walks off. So what were your thoughts overall on this, uh, this opening segment? So loads of thoughts because I mean, first of all, everything's messed up. <laughs> like we're 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 a year and a or a year and a half after where I'm watching. And, oh yeah, sorry, and, spoiler alert. Yeah, and, and Duggan <laughs> Duggan's a baby face, which he isn't when I'm watching it. Oh uh, really? Okay, interesting. Uh, uh, Mr. Wrestling Two has just turned heel, and he's a baby face when I'm watching it. Um, interestingly, the JYD thing going from mid gone from mid south for ninety days. So right where I am now at the end of eighty two. 
he's in the middle of another period exactly the same. He he and Mr. Olympia lost a tag team match against Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne, um, which where the one who lost the fall had to go away for 90 days. Ah, okay. And he lost the match, but he didn't leave the territory. He comes back under a mask as a, a wrestler called Stagger Lee. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I've now, seen him in some of the listings. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that the, there is, I'm pretty certain, and I'm pretty certain I heard it, when Bill Watts was just before he was, when he was explaining everything that had taken place, and he says, now JYD has gone for a period of 90 days, I'm sure I heard a bunch of Stagger Lee chants. I'm sure. Oh, I, how interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like the crowd themselves are like, there's a, there's an element of being smart to the business a little bit there, I felt, which was like, yeah, we've seen this before. It's time for Stagger Lee to come out kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know what the cult, I don't know what the conclusion to that story is yet because we're still in the period where Stagger Lee is with us and the heels are saying that's JYD and everyone's done, all the baby faces are denying that it is. And Bill Watts is trying to play dumb as well um but but there's it's, it's kind of it's it's acknowledged that the, the hills believe that it's jyd we just haven't seen him and and there and bill watts is like if we find out that it is jyd within the 90 days then jyd will be suspended for a year because he signed up to that stipulation and he's not it's not living up to it but i'm assuming he won't be found out um so oh, i i yeah that sounds great actually so I was I was half expecting during this episode for Stagger Lee to turn up because I thought, well, OK, well, maybe he is going to maybe maybe that's the thing. Stagger Lee will come back again. Everyone will be like, ah, oh, Stagger Lee. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> um, so that was quite interesting to me. Um, I, as I said, I thought the end, I thought the storyline element of Terry Taylor coming out and taking Mr. Um, the Mr. The lashes that were meant for Mr. Wrestling 2, that um, Magnum. Hang on, I've got to get this right. Is it Magnum TA or Magnum PA? <laughs> Magnum TA, yeah, yeah. Magnum TA um, has got a take. Um, I thought that was quite cool. I thought that was a good uh, a good little moment. Um, and I, so I thought that, yeah, I thought that was really cool. So um, I thought it was great. I thought, you know, it's typical Mid-South. It's boom, we're, we're, we're coming into the show. This has happened. This has happened. We've got an interview with the the antagonist of this show. We've got some highlights from the big show that's taken place recently where loads of this stuff has happened. Um, and within the first five, six, seven, eight minutes, you've, you've been bombarded with all kinds of stuff. And sometimes it's too much, I think, sometimes, but you're never bored. And that's that's at the very least what you want. You're just you're never bored. Yeah, they do. They do. There's, there's loads on this show. They do really fly through stuff. So um, back from the break, they recap the Express Showdown from last week where Ricky Morton ended up getting his hair cut with help from Nikolai Volkov and Krusha Khrushchev. Um, what says that Morton may have had his hair cut, but he didn't have his spirit killed, um, <laughs> which is <laughs> this is what's just full of these classic lines, isn't he? Well, I have to I have to rewind it to actually get it down as, as close to what he's actually said. <laughs> Yeah, um, which, which doubles the amount of time actually watching each episode. Um, Jim Ross is the ring announcer and he introduces Jerry Gray and Pat Rose up first. We'll be facing the Rock and Roll Express, who the crowd goes wild for as they come out to their catchy theme. Um, matching and great looking silver robes for these two because the Midnight Express often don't wear matching robes, which is particularly grating. Um, <laughs> which grates on me way too much. I mean, you've got to show a bit more professionalism, really, guys. And um, Boyd says that you must have been hibernating in a cave to not know who these two are. And Watts adds that the Rock and Roll Express have captured everyone. And um, Gibson starts quickly before Morton comes in with a great couple of arm drags. And it's not too long before I hit their double drop for the winning 124. So what do you think? Presumably, I'm, I'm 
I presume it would be uh, mid, uh, the, the Express guys were not in back then. I think they debuted fairly recently. We're not in the previous in your your episodes you're watching now. So, what did you think of the Rock and Roll Express here on Mid South? Well, the, the first thing is that the crowd are going mental for them. They're so yeah. over. I mean, it's, it is, it's, I think that's the thing that I found really interesting about going back and watching some of this stuff is how over some of the people are. And here you've got a really good example of that. The Rock and Roll Express come out and the fans are literally jumping up and down as they come out. Um, and I, you know, it's the kind of thing that you don't ever see now. <laughs> um, no, you don't, you don't, you really don't. Yeah. You never see it. I think the last time I can remember seeing it was like Austin when he came out during Mankind's championship win on Raw in 98 or 99 yes. or whatever it was, the early, early 99. Um, but yeah, they, they're just like, they're just going crazy for them. Um, it, you know, and again, this is typical Mid South. It's like two minutes long, it's really quick. They get them in, they, they have a few moves and then they get them out. It's again, it's just mid south moving quickly through, through everything. But it was really, really, um, amazing to see just how over they are. Yeah. They're, they're superstars, aren't they? Which is, which is mm. something you don't really get too much in, too much in wrestling these days. And um, so the bottom of this, bottom of this screen before bottom of the screen is easy to say again, informs us that the next up we have the Midnight Express celebrating winning the tag team titles. Um, what says um, after coming back from the break that he, Grizzly Smith and Boyd Pierce and Mid-South Wrestling are not responsible for this next segment. Um, so this is quite a long segment, <laughs> but an absolutely brilliant one here. So yeah. I'll just, I'll just try and remember, but do jump in. So we cut to Jim Ross of the Midnight Express and Ross informs us that Cornette has purchased some time for them to have a celebration. And when Cornette says it was only a matter of time, just as soon as they cornered those chickens, TA and two, they would be the tag team champion. So there's a table with a cloth, a cake, and Cornet has a letter from his mother saying how pleased she is with them and not to read it because reading other people's mail is against the law. So this <laughs> really cracked me up when he said that. I don't know if you, if you saw I know. I, th- yeah. I think Cornet is absolutely phenomenal in this, yeah. in this, in this segment. Uh, I think, I, I genuinely think there's a case to be made for Cornet being one of the best speakers in all of professional wrestling history. And, here he's not quite as polished as he later would be but he's still phenomenal he's just hilarious right way through i bet this is all ad lib as well like you, you just think that this this is a problem we talked about earlier on but modern modern promos i bet they would have had an idea here they'd have known that cornet's face was going in it but i bet this was all ad lib and he, he probably could have done 10 different versions of this and they would all have been fantastic um, yeah so he goes on to say they've got 100 100 dollar bottles of champagne um, and they tried to hire a clown but boyd pierce was busy <laughs> um, and he says, <laughs> he says, no one in the audience is invited and it's their party and they can do what they want. And um, Cornet says his mother wanted to be there, but he had a, she had a meeting in New York, but he's sure that Jim Ross will want to send her his regards. I'm actually laughing just thinking about this. The way he brings <laughs> his mother into it is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so Cornet says the Express don't usually eat sweet things, but on this occasion he will allow it. Um, then he tells Bobby not to slobber. And now he's going to show all the people how much fun they have. So the Express wandered to the back of the ring and throw confetti out into the crowd. Um, Cornette is cutting the cake when the Rock and Roll Express run out and slam his face straight into the cake. Um, talk to me about the selling of this, which is unbelievable, <laughs> Cornette. Yeah, I mean, it is because he, what he does, he, like, the first thing I know, well, not the first thing I noticed, but the thing I went back to and watched a bit was the moment where his face actually goes into the cake. Because yeah. I can imagine back then the boys being able to shove his face into a cake, they would have absolutely relished it. So yeah. I bet like they properly squished his face into not only the cake, but probably the table underneath. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if it's all selling. I think part of it is probably he's in a bit of pain. Oh, do you think? Because he, he sells it like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to him. I mean, he's, he's, you, you, his face is blurred by the cake, but his facial expressions are just unbelievable. Like wide eyes, mouth yeah. wide open. It's just, just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and Jim Ross is absolutely cracking up on the mic while this is going on as well. And Bill Watts. And Bill Watts. And Bill Watts as well. Yeah, they, they, were all, they were all in on it, weren't they? Yeah, so... Um, and then basically they leave the ring and Boyd is laughing and they cut back to him and Watts says he loves it and it's about time. So, yeah, I mean, this this is one of my favourite segments in all of the like, nearly 20 episodes I've watched. I just <laughs> thought this was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the Bill Watts, the one thing that, that is a little bit off is Bill Watts laughing because I don't think Bill Watts is a guy who laughs. I think he not not doesn't naturally laugh and he really tries to to pretend that he's finding this really yes. funny although he's obviously yeah. the one who's behind it he's like written it all so um <laughs> you know so he he's really trying and it doesn't doesn't quite come off but other than he's that he's coming it up isn't it yeah massively yeah. um yeah. but it is but it is excellent and um i think first of all it, it, this is a treasure in the sense that you're getting to see jim Cornette and jim ross two men who've probably been friends for a very long time early in their careers just having a great time learning the business and learning yeah. it really well from a, from a man like Bill Watts, who obviously knows what he's doing. Um, and you know, I, I mean, look, forget, forget Cornet's politics a little bit, forget perhaps some of the things he says occasionally, which can be a little bit off. Um, and just think about, I just find him to be one of the most incredible talkers in the business, business in, in the history of the business, as I said previously, like there's a, there's a promo from like, I don't know why this sticks on my head and I'm sorry, I'm going off into a real tangent. No, here. go ahead. But there is a promo from like Survivor Series 93 when Cornette is Yokozuna's American spokesperson and talks about the they're up against the um, All-Americans, the foreign fanatics against the All-Americans. And Jim Cornette does this promo where he basically says, um, all, how are they going to beat the All-Americans tonight? Well, it's all about mind, heart and soul. And then he like goes into this sort of five minute monologue furious pace like really really fast um breaking down the the three elements of the all-american team the steiner brothers the undertaker and lex luger calling the steiner brothers the heart the undertaker the mind and lex luger the soul and 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 at the same time using that metaphor as a way that the foreign fanatics are going to win the match and i Every time I watch it and listen to it, it gives me chills because I just don't know how he does it. It's perfect. He delivers it so perfectly. He hits every note exactly where he wants to hit them. And he does it incredibly fast. He's like, he's right. Like Cornette does rattles off his promos super fast. So so for me, it was great to see Cornette kind of early in his career. I've always thought he's a phenomenal performer. And so this was, this was great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to when um, I get to this point in the network and I can see him more often. Yeah, I think he's great. I mean, I think you made sort of made a point about um, he, he does let himself down with things, but what I'm, what I'm trying to do, I'm not sure this is the right way to do it or not really um, from a sort of, uh, I don't know if moral perspective, the right way, but I'm, I'm trying to take these shows very much for what they what they what they were at the time um there's there's obviously some, a little some questionable language and, and you know some some um things certainly with the usa russia stuff that is you know is not is not particularly pc but i just try and you know i stay away from that stuff and just sort, sort of take it for take it for what it is enjoy the performances etc at the time and i think that's yeah. prob- probably the way to do it um i think you have to i yeah, think if I think you, you, if you try to do that if you try to be 
if you tried to judge it by by even that the standards of the time you'd struggle because look wrestling is notoriously bad um yeah. i'm watching mid-south and kamala's just turned up and kamala as a character in general is a problem um yeah. You know, throughout this throughout this stuff with Cornette, Bill Watts constantly calls Jim Cornette a sissy yeah. and makes out he's not a real man because I don't know because he's not I guess not a fighter I guess is, is the the main reason. Um, and um, so I just think you can, you have to you kind of have to take it on face value and go you know what yeah. I I recognise there's some issues with this but this is wrestling this is what it has been for most of its history so yeah do? do you know what I think I think that we today and it's, it's the right place to be but if you even if you even watch um like i remember watching the american pie films were on one of the one of well, some channel maybe itv4 or something or itv2 over the course of a weekend and not so long ago i thought crikey these are terrible in terms of like not not, not pc language and stuff so i think we've, we've come a long way but yeah you're right you, you, for the rights and wrongs of it i think it's difficult to look at 1984 in the same same lens as 2020 and you just got you just got to take the good bits out of it and and you know tr- try and be a little bit pragmatic about some of the some of the iffy bits really i think it's probably the best way to best since, way to see since you've been watching it have you had any women's wrestling on mid-south yeah there's been one there was uh so we got um wendy richter was on one week um but i can't remember who her opponent was but yeah we, we got what we got that um, and funnily enough they were supposed to be the week before but they were delayed or something so they didn't get there in time so there was a bit of a right. thing about that but have, have you had some some women's stuff on on Mid South and stuff that you've you've seen? Yeah, and you know it is it is as you would imagine very kind of um, I don't know what the word is, but it's again again it's not very PC. There is a lot of um, reference to the way they look, and also it's all very kind of patronising. They start off with and oh, we've got the lady wrestlers this week. You know, is yeah. it kind of <laughs> it's kind of like all a bit like oh, oh it's, isn't that funny? A kind of thing. So. Um, yeah, again, I just I just wondered if you'd come across that. Yeah, no, no, I have, but but only 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 one actually. So I, I guess they, I, I'm presuming some of the top women's wrestlers would would tour around like people did, and perhaps weren't so um, linked with a particular promotion. But I, I don't know enough about it probably to, to be completely honest. But that, that's right. That's effectively what it was. So they just toured around, and I think you'd get them periodically in the WWF, but they'd basically go, right, we've got them on television for a couple of weeks or, or one week and then they just do the loop with WWF and then they go off somewhere else. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was just one of the rolling set of attractions or that's how it was seen alongside again, talking about on PC, the midget wrestlers yeah. um, and alongside, you know, for example, um, someone like Haystacks Calhoun, it was gigantic. It did. They were just seen as one of the sort of traveling um, attractions basically. Yeah, indeed. So next up, we have Terry Taylor and Nikolai Volkov, um, which Jim Ross, as we're going to ask, describes as a special challenge match. And Volkov is announced first and does his fake version of the Russian national anthem. Um, and then Taylor is in the ring with the big stars and stripes flag um, that Boyd describes as beautiful. Um, so Watts goes off on, com- on Cornette on commentary again, um, saying that he ate that cake that was forced into his face like a pig. Um, <laughs> and then t- Taylor nearly catches Volkov with a big crossbody block for the pin. Um, before Volkov powers out and takes over. Um, the crowd, particularly in the front row, in the, t- in the sort of furthest left-hand corner, is going really mad for Taylor here. Um, so in the end here, um, Taylor gets out of Volkov's attempted finisher um, and rolls him up, but Khrushchev interferes with the DQ in 307. So what did you think of this short little encounter between Taylor and Volkov here? Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, th- this is 
again i would suggest pretty standard stuff for mid-south um nothing nothing special but again you know um the, uh, one of the big draws obviously of watching mid-south is the number of wrestlers that you'll recognize when you watch it so even yes. when i'm watching it two years before this there's jyd ted dibiase duggan um kamala there has been one man gang and bob orton jr and paul orndorff and goodness knows lots of other people um and uh, in fact, one one interesting point, one of the jobbers is called Marty Lundy, is actually Arn Anderson. So another, oh, yeah, right, yeah. So, so that's also quite interesting. So, I mean, it was great to see Nikolai. I, I, I think Nikolai Volkov is a far better worker than he gets credit for. Um, and um, and I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought, again, though, talking about wild celebrations, what happens after this and Duggan's return, the celebrations are incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, basically, both men, uh, both Khrushchev and Volkov, work over Taylor before getting him in a hangman hangman rope, pulling him from both sides. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is pretty pretty awful. I mean, that's, you think about, I, mean, I talked about this in one of the early episodes, but um, they they sort of super violent promotion in terms of what they show on TV. But this is Saturday morning or Saturday Saturday <laughs> yeah. tea time, and they're showing yeah. a guy being pulled from both ends with a rope. Being that's you, right. You'd never get that. On. You wouldn't get on WWE Raw now, um, let, let alone um, you probably. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, I just thought it was probably probably a bit much. You know, Hacksaw and Duggan makes the save with two by four, and as you say, the crowd goes really, really crazy for him, for him here. Um, he's not been around for weeks, um, and he heads outside for a quick interview with Jim Ross, and he says that sometimes a man has to take a step back and take a long look at what is going on. Um, it's true that Khrushchev took his coal miner's glove, but now he's back to make up for lost time. He says every stinking day he washes his hair, eats his cereal, or uh, sorry, yeah, washes his hair, eats his cereal, brushes his teeth. He thinks of Darso or whatever he calls himself and wants his coal miner's glove bag. I don't know why, but when he said every day, every stinking day he washes his hair, that really made me laugh. Like, I didn't know where he was going with the promo. <laughs> yeah, this really messed me up because, as I say, Duggan's a heel from when I'm watching it. Yeah. And um, these the, the same people effectively are absolutely booing the hell out of him. So I don't know what I, – I, I'm quite eager to see what journey he goes on to go from that to where he is at this point. Um this is it when he came out i not knowing what the storyline prior to this was i was like oh is this where wwf got the all american jim duggan from um i he's going up against the the russians um the soviet uh, the soviet union representatives and he's coming out to to save you know terry taylor is this kind of like where wf thought oh, we'll just use him as the i, I was wondering whether or not he's going to bust out the hoe and like he'd have the flag and all that kind of stuff you know um he didn't but i just wondered <laughs> i wondered if that's where this is going yeah i think i think he i don't think he was around wf around wrestlemania 2 i don't i don't believe but he certainly was in time for wrestlemania 3 yeah um but i, I don't I, I can't recall but I, I i guess i think he was probably in south another couple of years um but this i think this is it's basically like like character i understand from bits that i read that this version of him around this time was a lot and perhaps a bit before as well was was significantly better than uh sort of semi-caricature he became in later later career um but yeah it's interesting because what's again one of his good little things what about the florida thing he did sort of allude to um Jim Duggan may have gone back to some of his old ways, obviously referring to his old heel antics in Mid-South. Yeah. That's such a bizarre thing. If you think as a, you know, any age person watching wrestling and you're watching Mid-South and then you're watching Florida and then you're watching World Class, which you would have been able to do. And I think you probably could have got Georgia Championship Wrestling around that time as well. 
and the rest are playing different characters. I mean, it wouldn't have, I don't know what percentage of their audience would have had cable TV there, but it would have been even 10%, 20%. That, that's quite a lot in terms of characters playing different. Very confusing, I think. Definitely. Um, and you, it's yeah. even confusing for me watching it now, so many years removed, because, like, for example, um, I've seen Bob Orton Jr. Um, in Mid-South. I've seen Jimmy Valley in, in WWF, and they're both playing heels. They're both now in Mid-Atlantic, and they're both playing baby faces. And I'm finding that strange, yeah. even though I know exactly how it worked. I know exactly what's going on. So I can only imagine what it was back then when perhaps you're watching, and you may be taking it more on face value, or you just – not that you don't know that wrestling is work necessarily, but the, you – that you still expect them to maintain the facade that it is isn't worked well, um, yeah exactly if, if, a, if, a, if a soap opera character um we're gonna make it very clear from the from the uk with these these examples but if kevin, <laughs> we- yeah if kevin webster t- from coronation <laughs> street turned up uh, turned up in east end as a gangster playing him set playing kevin webster that would be confusing so this is this is obviously i mean i think they were probably clinging on to a time before this was an issue um, and still trying to make it work as technolo- technology was changing and making it mean that they couldn't make it work anymore, really. Um, well, so, well, Kevin Webster turning up in EastEnders, sign me up. Sign me up. Right <laughs> it would now. get me watching, especially if it's Christmas Day, which is usually the only time I see it in the soap. So if that happens <laughs> Christmas Day, I'll be watching. I'll be there. Um, so Magnum TA versus Nature Boy Buddy Lendell is the next match. Um, and they show a shot of Terry Taylor in the caption beforehand, which is which is odd before break. Um, Jim Ross is in ring and he announces Landell first, followed by Magnum, who is wearing a fetching USA Olympics vest. Um, so the Olympics was held in Los Angeles later this year. Um, Watts says his voice is gone from what an exciting week it's been with all the off-the-wall action. Um, and then Watts recaps the relationship and angle between two and, and TA and reiterates that he thinks that TA has passed two by. Um, Watts also says that he kept his hair short during the latter part of his wrestling career partly due to nature and also so his opponents couldn't use it for leverage I, i'm doing the same thing i'm going bald purely so if i have a wrestling match after <laughs> nearly 39 years on earth they can't use it for leverage um i thought this was pretty good actually um so i was going to see some magnetia hitting his great looking belly to belly slam for the win in the shade under five minutes so what did you think on this landell versus ta encounter well it was the match of the night wasn't it let's be honest yeah, um um, and th- th- this is the this is the, the perhaps the most frustrating thing about watching Mid South television episodes is that actually you think give these guys four or five more minutes like oh, they, I know I know you know what I mean this happens great, yeah, all yeah. the time like there's loads of matches during eighty two like you've got like some really quite really quite talented guys in there I mean you have got Ted DiBiase for crying out loud um, and he's going up against some other guys that are young and quite talented like for example there's a uh, Tim Horner is is doing is in Mid South at the time and he's a really decent little wrestler and, and for the time in particular they, they, they the, the the pace at which they have the match is just wow this is really exciting just keep going don't stop yeah. the match but they never go more than five and a half minutes and and i think actually that is really um bill watts is genius here because he gives away everything you, you always get the biggest stars against the biggest stars on the tv show but the matches are never fully realized. And to yeah. see how it could be fully realized, you have to go buy a ticket. Yeah, and really, Landell is in a, a kind of a intermediate position between a job guy and a, and a normal guy. So he does lose some matches like this. But generally speaking, you don't get proper finishes between two named people on the show. No. Um, you get your three minute. And actually, they, they tend to keep those ones a bit shorter, which I actually prefer. Because I think if you go, if you do five, ten minutes and it's, it's a bit, it's a, it's a, 
um, not a proper finish. And that is a little bit frustrating. True. But I agree. You just want, you just want, just give me 10 minutes. One of the best matches I've seen, in fact, the best match I've seen so far was Lanny Popper and Buddy Landell. And it was like seven and a half minutes. It was great. And it was a clean finish as well. So it was really good. Um, so next up, we have Hacksaw, Butch Reed and Masaito versus Obi Davis and Josh Stroud. Um, and what sends his regards to the new TV channel manager in New Orleans? Um, this is nothing more, which I thought was great. Like little, little great Bill Wattsism there. Really. He does that all the time. Yeah. He does that all the time. Like he's always talking about, oh, I met Jan and Steve from the Oklahoma Hammond Organ <laughs> Society this week. And they, they really, um, they, yeah, they're, they're great. They're watching down in, down in Oklahoma. And then, and I also spoke to Pat and he's doing this. <laughs> and you're like, who are you talking about, man? Oh, no. and he, there was he was talking one week about someone he'd been out to dinner with, with his wife so like it's just like <laughs> yeah it's just just it's just incredible uh, this wasn't much more than a bit of a squash really so did you have any thoughts on on this match not really no not really although i was interested to know whether hacks or butch reed had anything to do with hacks or duggan um and whether there was any kind of previous that led to that because hacks or was jim duggan was hacks or duggan in yes South. yeah i don't know so so they've um yeah, I don't know. The thing with Butch, Butch Reed um, tagged with Jim Neidhart for a while, who seems to have, I think he was, they had a quite a heavy duty angle with him a few weeks ago. So I, I guess he probably is off somewhere else at the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know whether they had a battle of the Hacksaws, but they were feuding a bit because Hacksaw, Jim Duggan at the right at the start was tagging with someone against Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart. So it, is, it was sort of the battle of the Hacksaws, which is a, a bit of a strange one to have two people with the same same um nickname basically so yeah that is a that is an odd one yeah um, so after this what says i don't have any more time for any more matches um but he's asked the tv director to show again um, when cornet was hit in the face with cake and they recap that segment um, but then they cut some additional footage of cornet saying it's the most humiliating moment of his life um, and he's spoken to his mother's attorney and she <laughs> is going to sue as many people as she can um what's then comes out and says don't he doesn't want to butt in but it's not anyone's fault but his that they played the clip again because he thought it was funny. So if his mother wants to sue anyone, she should she should sue him. <laughs> um, Cornet says he's heard everything he said about him, but he thinks he's a washed-up cowboy. And he adds that he's got a mouthful of memories, but he can't back them up anymore. His mother, <laughs> this this next bit is brilliant. He, so he says his mother's going to take over Mid South, and he's going to make he's going to make Bill a janitor. And his son, I couldn't I couldn't catch the insult. I don't even know if you caught the insult that he called his son. But he said that he's going to make his son sell Midnight Express T-shirts. No, I, I can't remember exactly what no. it was. I didn't. I didn't write it down. But he, yeah, he basically said something like he's a. I don't know. Like he, he, he suggests. I think that he's not that tough or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what says that Cornet is not equipped to deal with things physically, and he tries to walk away. Cornet pulls him back, and then Watts smashes him with a big right hand. So <laughs> I think this is probably pretty shocking at the time if Watts has been out of the ring was he involved in any physical angles during the stuff that you've watched no he's not and you know there's an interesting um there's an interesting kind of rule that they kind of use um a couple of times to for to, for, to storyline effect which is that if you're sat at the commentary desk you are not allowed to get physically involved yes they use that you get fined they've used that in the episodes i've seen as well yeah so i was wondering whether or not i that they're gonna find bill watts even though obviously he's kind of the president i don't i i, I it's, it's weird because they they kind of acknowledge that he's in control or he's in some form of power, but then they've also got Grizzly Smith and they've also got um, somebody else who I can't remember the name of that are, that are the president and the matchmaker and goodness knows what else went up from when I'm watching anyway. I don't I don't know if that's the same. Uh, they've this- got Grizzly Smith certainly, and I think they've got 
they they refer to board of directors i think a few times as well yeah that makes sense yeah um, so i just wondered if if they were if you know on next week's show um you're going to find that he gets fined because he was at the commentary desk because that has definitely been a thing in the past and as you say it sounds like it's been it's still a thing at this point yeah i, I think that's going to happen actually that, that 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 does sound very like what they've been doing so uh, just before we go so ross says um we're going back to boy pierce right away who says that right hand is more dangerous than a baseball bat um and that's it that's the end of the episode so i thought Really, I mean, there's so much here. You've got new, new champions in tag team division, the North American champion. Um, you've got Bill Watts getting involved in a in a big angle with Jim Cornette. Um, I, I thought again, this this flew by. Um, you've got advancements in the Magnum TA Mr. Wrestling two storyline with Magnum TA beating um, Buddy Land in a long singles match, and they declare him the number one contender for that North American title again. So clearly, him and Mr. Wrestling two are going to get it on at some point in the future. So, what do you what do you think of this 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 fast forward view in time for Mid South Wrestling? Um, it was it's interesting because there's less matches than there is when I've been watching it. So oh, okay, interesting, yeah. So I mean, back in I mean the last few episodes I've watched, there have been seven matches on each episode, um, an hour, which it? is a lot. Minutes, it's yeah. Forty-two minutes, and yeah. it's just like wow. Um, so in that respect, it was it was um, a little bit different, and they didn't have something like the corner angle, for example. I think that was quite unique. I don't know if that's something again that's been there have been things like that that have happened um, on the show prior to what you've been watching, but certainly back in '82, there isn't those kinds of um, there isn't those kinds of angles, and they've got like they've got um, uh, a scandal Akbar, for example, as one of the heel heel managers, but he's not he, he he's not somebody who's going to deliver a, a, an angle such as that. Um, and I think that's probably why there wasn't so many matches because they've delivered that angle. Um, but yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It's, it's still what once there were a couple of things, like for example, I was surprised that they hadn't updated the intro. Um, so that intro that they play is the same intro from 1981. And I, I thought that because, you know, wrestling was moving really fast and growing and, and everyone was kind of nationalizing at the time, or at least being seen more widely, that that intro would have been updated by 1984, but it hasn't, which was kind of strange. So you've still got all the same people that were in the intro um, there still now. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that this is the first time I've ever heard the proper Mid-South um, music, the proper like title music oh yeah 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 because they it's different on the network is it so have you been watching the network versions predominantly on absolutely on episodes? yeah it's exactly yeah. what i've been watching so what i didn't realize is that it's a song by jeff beck that is the is the actual the theme music but i'll be honest i think the network music is better <laughs> you know what okay so i watched the very first episode of the network and i was having su- the only reason i switched to youtube is because my for some reason the WWE network did not want to play this the first episode i did i recorded ah. this so I found it online, and I agree. I remember my, first, my my literally my first note was because um, I assumed it was just the original music. I was like, the, yeah. the, the music from Mid South is absolutely incredible. Like, eight, you couldn't get a more eighties piece of music. Yeah. And it wasn't even the original. It was no. the W Network is great. That, that version of that is great. The only thing I think the network quality is much better, um, but you counter that with it's really the entrance music. It doesn't make a big difference. The only thing that I prefer is probably the video packages. 
um, with, with some of the cheesy stuff that you get. But I, I, are they are they doing a lot of Leo packages in eighty two on people, or is that a thing that comes a little bit a little not, bit later? M- not many. They did one for Kamala before he came in, and it it's had some music on it. But I've gone back. Actually, interestingly, this was the first time I've heard the actual music of Mid South. But it was also the first time I realised there was a different music because, like you, I just assumed it was the right music because on the network yeah. they hide it really well. They don't hide it very well when JYD comes out to another one bites the dust and actually it isn't you can you they've got something over the top of it so you can tell that they've put they piped that in but for the title sequence i, I hadn't realized until now um and so i went back to check on kamala's theme because i thought well maybe he's got something that was a pop pop song of some kind or you know a, a copyrighted piece of music but he doesn't is actually just um you know is the same thing on the network so okay. that might become a problem in the future but uh, up to the point where i am it hasn't been a, a big issue no, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think. And have you have you found actually one final thing on this? Have you found any missing episodes as of yet? Um, in terms of not being on the network. Yeah, because I can't remember if it's eighty one or eighty two, but there was a missing episode around this time that's just gone. It's not available anywhere. Right. Um, and the only, the only thing the only thing you've got of it is clips from the following week. So I wondered if you'd experienced any any of that. So, but I guess that wouldn't count in what you're because you're doing stuff that's available, aren't you? So it, exactly. So for yeah. me, so I have definitely had weeks where the show hasn't been on. And one thing that's interesting, actually, thinking about it now, is a couple of times it's when something important happens, mm. and I was wondering whether that's because they've used that. So I'm imagining the WWE for the last 15 years, let's say since they bought, well, last 20 years now, since they bought WCW and they got this amazing videotape library of all these past things. And they've put in that time, they put countless DVDs together of different compilations of different people. And I'm wondering where they've gone. Oh, for that DBOC DVD, we'd really benefit from using a great mid South match from 1982 to sort of start the collection. Let's go get it. And when they've gone, gone and got it, they've cut it out of the original episode and then never kind of bothered to restore it or or whatever, and therefore you don't get that episode that that, that was on. Well, and- I don't know. I all I'm, the only thing I know about the Mid South tapes is that they that Bill Watts lost them, I believe, to his ex wife, and they will they right. whereas the AWA world class obviously WCW but that's obviously was, was far more mainstream but those like world class and AWA got like the, the documentary big DVD treatment in the mid two thousands. Mid-South was a little bit later because they, they didn't, she didn't sell, yeah. basically. Um, so I don't know. I, I've looked at, looked at this around, but I, I would have thought because they're, they're all they're all on YouTube and they're all pretty much the same host. So I don't know. I don't know. I wonder whether these these were on there before WWE even got, got hold of them. But I hope they're going to stay on there because it, it's, it's wonderful to be able to see them as they. The only thing that is missing, which is really annoying, is um, after, after the, the, the clips where they have the coming up next, and um, depending on what market you're in, you had local promos for the house shows, but ah. they're gone. They're gone, basically. So that that's why, for the most part, you don't know about um, – they very rarely mention the Superdome shows or any of the shows that, or any of their big live events because that's all that was all in the bit that we don't see, which yes. is frustrating, really. Because and, and you're absolutely right. To watch a television show that is – it's a bit like – um nitro was here in the mid 90s when you could watch nitro an hour of a well it started off an hour and then they had an, an, an abridged version of a two-hour show um, but you never get unless you had a german channel which i didn't have access to you couldn't get the pay-per-views so it's like it, this is even more frustrating because you, there's just no way because they don't exist yeah so you never you never see the payoffs unfortunately because i'd love to have seen 
you know, Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express from around this time in Mid South, you know, 15, 20 minute match from somewhere, but it's just not a, not available, sadly. Yeah, it's. It, uh, I mean, I go back to that thing about the important matches not being on there, but also the important TV matches because because it's not. I've not just seen it with Mid South. I've seen it with on the network. I've seen it with WWF All Star Wrestling. I've seen it with um, uh, Mid Atlantic as well. There are certain episodes where you're like, oh, this next episode will be really good. It's quite important, and it's not there. And I'm wondering because whether or not that's because they've used it somewhere, and then for whatever reason they've. I don't know, cut up the original video, the oh, so visual, chunk, original tape. So there's chunks of stuff in an episode that you've seen, which doesn't, it, it skips forward kind of thing. So there are some, episodes, yeah, there are sometimes, but there mainly it's just episodes that are missing and they're quite, yeah. they're, they're relatively, I mean, I'd say one in 20 episodes aren't there, but they tend to be quite important ones. And annoying, yeah. I, I always wonder whether it's because they had done something with that tape previously that meant, they couldn't use, they couldn't digitize it for whatever reason. I don't know, but whatever there, you do miss that. Sometimes there are a couple of missing episodes, but for me, it's not a big deal because I'm only watching what's on there anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. So Ben, t- tell, tell us all where we can find you on, on Twitter and sort of what your, what your, what, what are your immediate next watches you, you've got in mind on the, on the network? What is the next week or so I've in store? Uh, okay. So the next week or so I have got to the point where I have actually now got to the point where we're going to see the star Wars stuff from world class where the where the freebirds turn heel so that's actually probably oh, immediately great. the next thing i'm watching um is that whole show of that available is that on t- is that on the tv no so they actually put some of their star wars matches on the tv show right. okay, um yeah. so that's a really big help if mid-south did that that would have made it made put the dub in the cherry on the cake of mid-south yeah. um but so they actually do that. And they, to be honest, Mid-South, of the promotions they've got on the show, on, on the network, Mid-South is the smallest. It definitely is the smallest. It's the one that doesn't get Ric Flair. <laughs> yes. it, yeah. it just doesn't come, whereas he's occasionally on Mid-Atlantic and on World Class. Um, and so uh, we've got that. And then I've also got a Madison Square Garden show from the 28th of December, 82, just about to happen. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And I might actually do a review of that because I also do occasionally do some sort of long form reviews for random shows that I watch. Um, so um, so that's what I've got immediately coming up. And then I will do all of the kind of stats stuff. So I'm going to put out like the top 10 wrestlers of the year. Um, I was going to put out some infographics as well because I was just wanted to sort of show the exponential growth in numbers of matches over the course of the last sort yeah, of five that, six years. I'm really interested in that. I'll definitely look out for that. Who's who's the champion in the, the that Madison Square guy? Is that Backland or is that Back- pre-Backland? It's Bob Backland. Yeah, Bob Backland. Yeah. He's been yeah. champion for about four or five years now. Uh, okay. um and i don't know who he's facing i i i've deliberately avoided looking at kind of the problem is, is if you look to see who they're facing you know the result and i know backland will win but it just i don't know why i just like to not <laughs> know the result because oh, no, it, it, it could be a blood stoppage or because exactly to do that quite a lot didn't they with the, with exactly the show. so yeah well, I, I wouldn't yeah. want to spoil, spoil it either so ben it's been so it's been so great having you on we might we must do this again sometime and if there's ever in a like a Madison Square Garden show or something absolutely random that um, you want someone to review with you, I'm more than happy to. So yeah, thank you very much. It's been it's been a great great hour or so, um, and I think a much needed break from all the bad news that's going on at the moment around <laughs> the world. So yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, absolutely, thank you. It's been uh, it's been a treat. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Cheers, man. Speak again. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe. And perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. 
If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon. Thank you.